I'm just an individual, living a miracle, standing divisible, connected to God and my physical, essence of my spiritual presence is visible, totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal, used to be a criminal, living so minimal, but things have changed in my life, it's going through different intervals, finding that balance is significantly difficult, timing is everything, so my timing is critical, rhyming is literal, the unforgettable, it's why you stand before you impeccably so presentable, I give respect to you, know that I am respectable, I've always wanted acceptance, that acceptable? I give the rival expected to be exceptional, and I'm a grown man, handle no business like a professional. I am incredible, legal, conventional, and you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprofessional. Welcome to NC Raw. My name is Steve Steen, host of Recovery Always podcast. We have another amazing episode in store for tonight. This is episode 11. It's hard to believe that we've sat down at this table 10 times and discussed various approaches to recovery, various pathways to, to recovery. And joining us tonight, we have a couple of amazing people in recovery from our community. First guest that I would like to introduce, my man, Alvin Hooks. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, Steve? Welcome to the table. Uh, I'm hey, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Tell our viewers and listeners about yourself, man. Um, My name is Hooks. As my friends know around here, um, I'm from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, moved here to Asheville, you know, to chase this recovery. Um, I, you know, I feel you in more on that later. Uh, you know, and since I got here, you know, uh, music been always been a part of me. So, you know, I'm just a regular hardworking man, putting out, sharing the message of hope, doing music. And I got my girl with me, you know, Valerie Spencer in my right hand, and my partner in life right now, you know what I mean? She's my back and my bone, my rock. I'll let, you, let her tell you a little more about her. Hey, my name is Valerie Spencer. Um, I'm from New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I did the same thing, jumped a bus to Asheville to chase recovery. I work as a peer support specialist, which is my passion at RHA Health Services in Asheville. And uh, I just love my life and recovery and sharing the message of hope. It seems like every week, like we're trying to find like awesome people in recovery doing like great things in the community. And the common theme to so many of our guests mm-hmm. is they're all peer support specialists. What is it about being a peer support specialist that? Well, what I like about the peer support specialist, I think it's a huge opportunity for people like myself that had created a lot of wreckage in my past, you know, Um I think it breaks the chain of reincarceration um, as well as giving back to the community. I feel like I have a career now. Um, Every day I wake up and my goal is to help another person and lead them to recovery, whether it's through a resource of getting a meal or to, um, you know, bus passes to meetings, whatever walk of recovery they choose, I lead them there. I have to ask you, who was your peer support specialist trainer you know richie tannerhill oh man that guy's all over what the up, place richie what's You're up amazing. richie we miss you on the show bro come on back and join us anytime yeah that's the common mm. things like how many people has that man touched through that 
wow. training program. So my story with that is I actually was working as a behavioral health tech in a treatment center, and I took my week vacation, my first vacation I had ever had, to take that class, and I was really bummed out at first, but he made it so much fun. I remember leaving and telling him how grateful I was that, you know, I had shared my vacation with them. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's touching because I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of a dilemma currently right now. Uh, they're going to be offering recovery coach training over at SCC where I attend classes over the summer. And it happens to be the week that we will not be recording NC Raw. And so I thought it would be a perfect time to go home and visit my family in Florida. Mm. However, I've been offered this scholarship to get the, to take the training class. And so I'm kind of like, well, what do I do? I haven't been home since last year. June or July, mm-hmm. so it's like a year. Um, but I have seen my family. They came and visited over the holidays and um, had to evacuate last August or September for Irma. So I have seen them. It's not that I haven't seen them, but it's like I'm kind of like juggling what to do. And also, it's the same week of the Cherokee Recovery Rally. So we have recovery coach training that week. Wow. And on Thursday night, is the recovery rally. And for those of you that just tuned into our discussion with Caleb, he's planning something for Friday night and then they got something planned for Saturday. So it's going to be like a whole week filled of recovery. So I'm kind of like stuck with what I should do. So you're a musician hooks, huh? Yes. Yes, I am, man. I've been doing it for quite a while. So that's something you've done most of your life. I have since, uh, since I was about 13, probably. All right. Yeah, I can remember when I first started. Um, you know, it was Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. And, uh, ever since I heard them, I used to try to rap like them, like uh-huh. fast like them, you know. And then one thing led to another, and uh, life experiences, you know, uh, started started happening. And everything that I wrote, I made it fit who I am, you know. So that's how I always been, you know, whether whatever's life, whatever I'm living at the moment, that's always what I wrote about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that ain't never changed. I thought it was kind of ironic, like, how we all kind of, like, came together. Um, I had been friends with Valerie on Facebook and through, like, mutual friends, Richie and others. And, like, the day or two after we recorded our very first episode, Mm -hmm. she sent me an invitation to like your page. And I start. so then I was like, oh, this is some pretty good stuff. And then I looked up your SoundCloud and... Heard some of your music, and I was like, man, we need to play some of this stuff on the show. Because yeah. we've been looking and asking for musicians. So we've played a, a fair amount of your music, mm. um, you know, throughout the show. And so me and Valerie kind of started a conversation about it. And then I was like, let's let's get you guys on the show. Let's do this, you know? Yeah, I get to watch him write his music. It's pretty amazing. It's like, for me, an outsider looking in, it just it flows so freely. You know, he'll go back in what he calls the lab. You know, we made the spare bedroom into, you know, we share an office and his musical room, and he'll just write something in no time and come out and spit it. And I'm like, yep, it's fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's she's my biggest fan, you know. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Like, well, just like when we were talking to Caleb a few minutes ago and he was talking about music, like, not only did I see you perk up, but she instantly, like, turned and looked at yeah, you. That's like, how, she got just as excited as you did. Yeah, anything that, pop, that, that pops up in a conversation or something on TV or in the rooms, that anything that remotely... <laughs> 
comes towards my <laughs> me putting myself out there, she'll give me that look. You know, she'll perk up and look at me. I still look at me, but I turn my head the other way. Like, yeah, okay. You, you probably, I'm sure but you I feel, feel it. it. You don't yeah, even have to see it. it. I don't have to. I already know. It's like kinetic waves going through my brain. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's it's cool because I'm always down for it, you know. Yeah. I'm definitely down for it. You know, since uh, I found Put Recovery in My Heart, it's, you know, a lot of people got the gift of sharing a message through uh, speaking, you know. I do it mostly through music. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. can connect to music. And music uh, is a therapy form. Uh, you know, a lot of people can, you know, understand music a lot more than, you know, people just talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so and that's the way I do it. Sometimes I get off work and just go straight to the room when it's when it when something hit me, the I lab. put it on paper straight to the lab. Straight to the straight lab. Straight to the lab. And um I got some brothers that I'm doing it with now too. Uh getting ready to work on it. We just left the studio last night. You know, shout out to GMB, you know, grown man business. GMB. Mm-hmm. GMB. I'm sure so, they're tuning in watching right now, huh? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we definitely all about, you know what I'm saying, promoting positivity. And uh, staying away from negative circles and doing what's best for, for us, you know, as grown men. That's definitely the common theme in these recovery circles is like finding that meaning and getting that meaning back in your life. Yeah. Uh, when you pursue recovery, and I can kind of relate to that just by like the show, you know, it's kind of yeah. how this thing kind of evolved and how it's something that I was passionate about, but like never would have done. I was telling you stories about pre-recovery podcasts that I like messed with, but like it's something I never would have like pursued, you know. But something that mm-hmm. I'm passionate about is something that has become a part of my recovery to get to have these intimate conversations mm. with amazing folks like you guys, to get to know people on such a personal level um, that like it that truly has become a part of my recovery. So what did you guys do this weekend? Well, originally we were going to go to Looking Glass Bash, which was an NA campout, mm-hmm. and it had been canceled due to the heavy rains. Has it been raining around here? Oh, man. <laughs> Slides and all. Yeah. So I was like racking my brain. I was like, we got to do something. I've got to get out of the house, you know. So um, I had spoke to my mom, and my mom has a beautiful farm in South Carolina. Hey, mom. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she's watching. And uh, so she's not too far from the lake. So we went to the lake, Lake Kiwi. Lake Kiwi. What was that like, Hooks? Man, look. <laughs> so, so you know, you know, I, I ain't a scary person. I'm not. Whatever. You, you know, it says I watch a lot of movies, you know. Uh-huh. And, yeah. you know, I might get in the pool, but as far as lakes and oceans, you know, I never know what's down there. You You're know? better so off on the sand. I'm good on the sand, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I, so I, I, I sat on the sand. I made me a little floaty. And they thought I was going to get on the water. If I just sat on the sand for a little while. And they finally convinced me to get in the water. I floated. You know, they had to hang on for Hang on to me. I didn't want to float away, you know. Yeah, it was cold. We didn't convince him. I think you the bugs in and the heat convinced That's him. True. I was watching him from the water. <laughs> we were chilling and relaxing. And he was looking out, took a few pictures. And yeah. I think he realized how serene it might really be. Yeah, it's, I think it was definitely more comfortable on the water. You know, I didn't have to fight off the ants and stuff yeah. like that. Let yeah. me ask you, what about like a boat? A boat? Yeah, you'd be down to go out on the boat, do some fishing or something? He, he, it's possible. She's, an, she's already entering for you, man. She does it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would do that. You know, um, I'm good. Like I say, I make bucket lists now, like, that I want to do things that I've never done before. You know, like the camp out was one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of disappointed that it, it didn't go down, but I'm 
kind of okay with it at the same time. Yeah. Um, I get, I, I do a jet ski. I want to snowboard. You know, um, there's a lot of good things that I want to do. You know, now, um, just it's just waiting on the right time. Well, hold that bucket list thought, cause we might go somewhere with that later. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my weekend wasn't uh, too exciting. I had to work all weekend. However, we did have our first refuge recovery meeting on Sunday night. It's a new meeting that we just added. Uh, in town and Silva for locals and that we had better tenants than I expected it for not really like advertising or promoting it much other than Facebook so that went well and um you know like I'm I'm usually such like a forward thinker and I'm always I'm a planner right and that's kind of been part of my problem Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. the years where I'm always like planning like planning what's next planning what's ahead just to like protect myself and Mm -hmm. make sure that I live up to the expectations that I set for myself Mm-hmm. But I got blindsided today. Um, I, I like lost track of the dates, and I didn't realize that tomorrow is my first day of summer school. Summer classes start tomorrow, which is no big deal, right? So, but I, isn't the summer more intense? Like, yeah, they're shorter. Yeah. Um, it's like it's only like a month and a half, you know, to to digest all the material. Um, so it is a more condensed. So I'm only taking two classes, so like no big deal, you know. They start tomorrow. I realized that today. Mm-hmm. got my tuition paid for then I started looking at my class schedule and I was under the impression when I met with my advisor who's now on summer break and out of town so I can't get a hold of her that I was taking two online classes which is great for my schedule I've been enjoying having this like little bit of time off to kind of relax and get out a little bit and just not being not not being as hectic enjoying some some of the nice weather when the sun does come out yeah. And I got to looking at my schedule. I was sitting at the library at SEC, and I got to looking at my schedule, and it said one class was um, online and one class was seat-based. I was like, okay, that's no big deal. I can I can still handle one seat-based class. That's whatever. And I uh, started looking at it again, and I was like, hang on a second. I don't know where the James Cecil building is. I've been on this campus for like three years, and I don't know where this building is. Mind you, there's only like four buildings over there. So I'm like, (laughs) what's going on here? So I walked up. I was in the library typing up some notes and stuff. I walked up to the librarian, and I was like, hey, is there something wrong with my schedule? I don't know where this building is. She was like, oh, that building's over in Franklin in Macon County. (laughs) Which isn't too big of a deal, like as far as logistically from where I live. Mm -hmm. But as it relates to like doing this show and some of the other commitments that I have on Mondays and Wednesdays, it's somewhat of an inconvenience. And, um, you know, I've been kind of like somewhat struggling and dealing with some things like getting through some, some roadblocks and barriers over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I really looked at it as an opportunity instead of like beating myself up, self up over it. I just like, was like, well, it is what it is. I got on the college calendar, looked at all the other classes, the reason why she put me in that class was because it's the only class that's offered this summer. Right. It's a specific English class that I need to take, and it's the only one that they offer. So that's so where she put me. You knock it out. So what do knock I do? I'm going to knock it out. You know, yeah. I'm going to go there on Wednesday morning. I'm going to sit there for three hours. I'm going to sit in the front row like I always do and engage the class. So that's, that's how uh, my day started off today, but. I'm a front row person, too. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Front yeah. row, raise my hand, take yeah. notes, yeah. read every chapter. These young mm. young kids think I'm crazy, but that's just how I roll, man. I, yeah. I, especially now I'm, because I'm only taking, like, part-time classes until the fall, 
I'm paying for all these classes, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to get as much information and knowledge as I can for my dollars, you know? That's right. Right. um, But we'll see what happens. So we will um, take care of a little bit of housekeeping before we get into Valerie and Hook's story. Uh, The first thing we want to do is announce some of our NC Raw allies. That's kind of what we coined our viewers and listeners is our NC Raw allies. So we want to recognize some of our NC Raw allies um, with some of their recovery anniversaries. We've asked that you submit your anniversaries either through Facebook or through our our website at admin at ncraw.life. Um, so the first anniversary is one of our homegirls over in Cherokee, Miss Rachel Taylor. She's celebrating six months today, this very day. So Awesome. Yeah, she's been a, a supporter of NC Raw. She's in Caleb and Caitlin's circle over there. So definitely want to give her a huge shout-out. Uh, we also have another person in their circle, uh, Melina Crow of Cherokee. She'll be celebrating one year coming up on the 13th next week. So shout out to Melina for doing some awesome. One year, that's huge. Yeah, awesome recovery work over on the res. And then last but not least, we just talked to Caitlin on the on the chat, and uh, she's celebrating 16 months in right the next on. couple of days. So she get to celebrate running, That's right? what I'm telling you. That's yeah. what I told her when she told me that. We were having a conversation on the phone, and she was like, yeah, I got 16 months in a couple of days. And I was like, do you understand where you are right now? <laughs> You're in Kentucky. Yeah. Running to Oklahoma. Running. With, like, your soulmate. Yeah. And with Jesus and with your faith and mm. all that, all these things. Because mm. of recovery, you know? It's, like, mm. so beautiful. So shout out to all you guys. Uh, again, if you'd like to submit your anniversaries, we want to recognize you. We want to give you some love. Uh, just throw us your dates, and we'll we'll give you a plug on air. We also want to promote any kind of recovery events taking place in our community, um, whether it's something that you or someone that you love has struggled with addiction. Um, there's all kinds of things happening in our community. That's one of the things I think that we as a, like, as a a rural community sometimes fail at is like we have these things taking place, right? Like in our backyard, but nobody knows about it. Nobody finds out about it. If you're not glued to like Facebook or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in these specific recovery circles, you might not find out about it. It's hard to find out about these things. Mm -hmm. So we want to highlight, highlight them on our show each week. Um, The first one is Wednesday over in Asheville, Wednesday, June 6th. So two days from now, from 6 to 7.30, there is a Hope Connection support group. It's a new group, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that is being held. You know about it? Is that at Crestview? Uh, 90 Ashland Avenue. Yeah, that's Crestview Recovery Center. Crestview Recovery Center. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Asheville Hope Connection. It's a free clinically-led support group for anyone that has a loved one in active addiction or in recovery. It's clinically led. It's not a peer-led group. Um, they meet the first Wednesday of every month at Crestview. So if that's something that resonates with you and you have some interest, you're welcome to attend. Uh, the main purpose of the group is to give support to those struggling with someone in active addiction. And they also have parents and family members of relatives who have s- sustained long-term recovery. 
as well as those who have lost loved ones in addiction. It helps provide the elements of support needed for everyone in the group. So definitely some positive things going on. It seems to be like a common theme that's come up uh, as we, our viewers and listeners, like watch the show. It's like, what do we do? How do we help a loved one? Right. How do we respond to that? Um, So we want to highlight these things that are happening in our community. Um, The next thing that's taking place is also over in Asheville, is also on Wednesday, June 6th. So Wednesday, June 6th in Asheville, a lot of things happening. One of the most common things that we talk about in recovery is, and one of the most common things needed to sustain and support long-term recovery is employment. Right. right? Something we've all struggled with getting into recovery, especially with our backgrounds and and the and the esteem piece and not being, you know, employed for sometimes years for some of us, not having a track record or a resume. Yeah. To come in the doors with. Yeah. Absolutely. So in Asheville on Wednesday, June sixth, the second chance job fair is taking place. And it's specifically designed as an employment opportunity for former offenders. So they got a whole list of employers that are there willing to talk to former employers, do interviews on the spot right then and there, and offer people jobs, right? Yes, awesome. Provide that meaning to to people that are attempting to sustain long-term recovery. It's taking place at the Goodwill Career Connection Center. That's at 1616 Patton Avenue in Asheville. If you have questions about who's going to be there, how to dress, what to bring, you can call 828-298-9023, 828-298-9023. And the last event that we want to highlight is taking place here in Jackson County. Uh, the Jackson County Public Library has been offering a series on mind, body, and health. Um, and coming up on June June 12th at 6 p.m., they're hosting a kind of a interactive discussion, I would say, on drug abuse, addiction, and the opioid crisis. Um, they're going to offer... Uh, a brief history on the crisis, both nationally and locally, and discuss resources that are available in our community, along with tools and solutions to be successful after you complete treatment. Um, so definitely want to invite anybody that is affected or touched by addiction or recovery to participate. If you're in Western North Carolina, we're kind of helping them plan and organize that a little bit. NC Raw is going to be talking about the solutions after treatment and what's available after treatment. So, yeah, that's uh, those are the events. Again, Jackson County Public Library, June 12th, 6 p.m. Come out and support, learn about what's available in Western North Carolina. So, y'all ready? Yeah. Let's do it. You ready, Hooks? My I'm first ready. question, man, my very first question that I have, Hooks, is I'm confused, bro. <clears throat> You confused? Yeah, I'm confused, man. I want to know what's the connection with the name. So we got hooks, we got notes. What, what are we? What are we running with here? Okay, she's looking at you again. Yeah. Okay. Um, lay so, it out for us, because right. I want to. I want to be able to promote you and like the music that you're making and how people can find you. Um. And so let's just just talk talk about the name a little bit. 
Okay, yeah, I, I wrote a song last. I had a, I did a song last night, um, somewhere similar, talking about it. But um, what's so, the what's the name of the song? Yeah. So the song is uh, it's called Who Who Am I? I think that is, and um, it describes all parts of me, my defects, the character, uh, the good parts, the bad parts. You know, accepting all of me, but knowing them parts, knowing those parts of me, and what. What can I do about them? If that makes sense, you know, knowing my character defects and how to control them. Mm-hmm. Um, Hooks is uh, a name that it's my last name. Um, I'm proud of my last name. Uh, I am a junior, and uh, you know my past keeps me from going to that. You know, so I, I live off my first name, my last name, which I not and I'm stick by it. Um, and that's what I just love. You know, that last name is a name that I can carry on with my kids. Uh, and, you know, that's just what... And notes come from... Uh, let's see. How should I explain it? Um, notes started back, like, when... I say, when me and my best friend came to Asheville, and he he left me a note, you know. And uh, so... And, I, and from then on, you know, I keep notes on who I am, you know, as far as just, if it's poetry or just talking to myself. And that just turned it all into music form. So I, I write notes and, okay. you know. And kind of I, documenting this process of life. That's it. That's exactly what it is. All right. So um, if you want to promote me, you know, my friends call me Hooks. Um, my music name is Notes, and it's just a form of uh, documentary. Yeah. Gotcha. Valerie, you're from Florida. I am. Yeah. Sunny Florida. What's up? Yeah. You know, I love my hometown, New Smyrna Beach. It's it's a small town. Actually, when you promoted us being on the show, I connected with somebody else here in these mountains um, that was from there. And we had talked about the growth that has taken place. But my father was a commercial shrimper. And um, so you grew up on that amazing seafood, fresh seafood every day. I did, huh? oh. I did. And and my mm. mom was an amazing fish fisherwoman and like mm-hmm. jack of all trades. Very very cool. Um, I I had the typical beach youth. Yeah, yeah. What year did you move here? And was it did, was was it pre or post seeking recovery? It was. It was. I came here for that purpose. It was 2012. I left the second day of bike week of that year, March 12th. I remember I knew if I stayed for another few days, um, I don't know if if I'd be sitting here telling my story. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of telling you guys before we started that, like, what interests me the most about this recovery process is that moment. That moment of clarity where you're like something comes across you and you decide that you're ready to to make a change in your life. And I'm more interested in like the the feelings that are related to it. Like what um what what did you physically and mentally, spiritually feel in your mind and your body that kind of influenced that decision to to go yeah so I grew up in the 12-step fellowship my mom was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and so I always knew that there was another way 
Um, I rejected that for many a years. But I remember when I jumped up to, um, when I was on the highway on my way back, because uh, it was kind of like a quick trip and I prolonged it a little bit. My mom was like, you know, if you don't come, you're going to lose your opportunity. So I went ahead and, and pushed myself through and I and I went into a treatment center. And I remember feeling, when you speak of the feelings, I remember feeling a lot of shame. Um, spiritually, I was black and dark. And uh, I didn't know which direction to go. And I was full of self-pity. And then I consider this my first spiritual experience. I realized that I could stay in that darkness um, or I could come out. And the only way of doing so was to do the work. It was like it was like this really light bulb. And then I just got on fire for the 12-step program in Narcotics Anonymous. So something that you resisted for a large portion of your young li- younger life. I did. Was instantly like attracted to you. Right. At that moment of hopelessness. Yep. Yeah. Why do you think you resisted? Because I wasn't done. Yeah. You know, um, because I wasn't. My ego was so large to admit that I was completely powerless over Mm -hmm. a chemical um, was not of of my makeup. You know, I speak of my dad that was the fisherman, but I was raised by a man named George, and he he raised me to be loyal and tough and, you know, take none, give none. That was was our motto. Yeah. Yeah. A friend recently asked me a question. He's like doing some research and I hope he doesn't get mad at me for putting this out there. But you, you mentioned um, that that not being able to put your ego to the side and admit that you were powerless. And he, he posed this question on me the other day. He's working on some research and he said, um, what would you change if you could? Only one thing within the recovery movement, you find large voids between wanting help with recovery and finding meaning, meaningful help towards recovery, what would be the one thing that you could change? And like, I thought about it for a second. My response was, I need to think about that. But after thinking about it, um, that, that's my answer is like, why do we resist when our whole entire world's crashing in? And like the only logical, reasonable action and response to walk into that room or to walk into that treatment center or to ask for help. But we just don't. How'd you get to Asheville Hooks? Since we're keeping it raw, uh, (laughs) I won't won't plan on coming here. Uh, A friend of mine asked me to come. Yeah? Yeah, we was in in detox. Uh, I just came off OD, and uh, he asked me to come to Asheville with him and say, let's go do something different. And I I like, exit, let's do it. And so, you know, we came up here. And you know, Blasey Blood came to the um, yeah treatment program, and um, that's how I got here. Um, I think it lasted about two weeks before he came up to me and was like, "Hooks," and I just did some acid. Uh, we gotta go. I'm like, "Bro, we just got here," <laughs> you know. And he he was like, "Bro, we gotta go. Like, let's go. We go to Charlotte and just do something else." I was like, "Look, let's let me go to work." Sit here, man. Don't do nothing. Wait till I get off work. Then we figure something out. I got back. He was gone. He had already left. He bounced. He bounced on him. He left me a note, and he left me a uh, daily meditation. You know? Okay. And uh, I read the note, 
And he said, Hoops, you a good guy. Uh, don't stop trying. Keep doing what you got to do. Love you, bro. Mob for life. And, uh, you know, then uh, maybe a week and a half later, I got a message. He had OD'd and died uh, in his addiction. Oh, man. And, you know, right then was I told myself, I said, I'm going to do this for him. You know, and finish the program that he started. This is what he wanted. Uh, so I said, I remember that night I sat into um, a six days or less meeting and I put it all out there. I cried, I shared, and um, that was my moment of clarity in a way, you know, because mm-hmm. I think I was doing it for him. And, um, and then and by doing it for him, I learned how to do it for me. At the same time, I saw all the miracles that took place in it. And, um, and once I realized what recovery was, and that's when I put it in my heart for myself, you know, I, I, I pushed forward and kept moving it, you know? But again, like prior to this tragic experience, you might you might have just been kind of like going through the motions and doing what you what you thought you were supposed to be doing. Um, but it was something about that experience that you had that kind of spiritual moment that said, I'm all in it. Yes. Not just for myself, but for him uh-huh. as well. Do Definitely. the things that he can no longer do. That's right. That's right. Uh, I know. And uh, before that, it was, I was just only thing I I was going. I was just here, just living life. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't even thinking about recovery too much. I was just, I was just here. You know, but that yeah. was like about two weeks. You know, but again, like you could have that that split second decision could go one of two ways, right? It could have. You could have bounced. Exactly and said, right. I'm out. And that was hard, man. It was really scary and courageous at the same time. Extremely courageous. Yes, man. you know, because. You know, and I felt like I abandoned him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's naturally, definitely, man. You wait. know, and I'm in a place I don't know, and I was like, man, I could have gone back to Durham. I could have went and found some drugs. I could have did anything besides stay there. You know? Yeah. You know, you know, because it wasn't my dream. This is not the what life that I wanted. You're not you a mountain. You're not a mountain man, huh? No, at all. <laughs> you know, I'm a city boy. Uh-huh. You know, and um. But it grew on me. But you know, you know, as time went on, and I started, I started loving it here. I really did, you know. But it was, it was really hard at first, you know, being getting comfortable, you know, and um, trying to do something different. You know what I mean? Uh, changing all the ways about me, the way I speak, talk, uh, care myself, change my way of thinking. It wasn't easy, you know. It takes practice, you know. And the more I practiced it. Even though sometimes I try to rebel against it, you know, I push towards the way that I needed to go, you know, and it just stuck with me. Yeah. And you walked into the rooms and really opened up, found your family. Yes. And it, 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 took, about a, it took about a year. Yeah. It took about a year, you know. Um, it took two years to get a home group. Just about, uh, I think it, I had a sponsor about three, about six, seven months in. That didn't last too long, but you know, um, it took about eight, about fourteen months to get a sponsor. But after about a year, yes, I started warming up and made my way in the rooms. So, gotcha. What was early life and recovery like for you, Valerie? Well, I was just thinking about it as he was sharing. You know, we were talking about that moment. You know, and I remember that spiritual experience of like I couldn't take away the pain that I had already caused for myself or others. I could just do something different. And I was at this beautiful place in Black Mountain, and coming from Florida, you know, it was like a spiritual retreat, and they used a lot of metaphysical 
um, therapy there as well, like drum circle. And it really touched my hippie soul. Um, so, I, like, I follow the mm. dead and everything yeah. back in the day. So I was N- super excited. Fit. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I was like, this is where I belong. <laughs> my sister had been trying to get me to come here for a while. Um, everything happened just as it was supposed to in the right time. Mm-hmm. I was placed in every place, you know, just as I was supposed to be. I ended up going to this beautiful place in Candler, you know, where later I had went back and worked, which was First Step Farm. Full circle, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did uh, stay at that farm? I did. And then you transitioned where? I transitioned into an Oxford house. Okay. Um, I'm a real huge supporter of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Oxford organization. Um, it's completely democratic. You get to see where all your money goes. Yeah. And it's ran by the members of the house, you know. It's it's the team of recovery. What about you, Hooks? Where were you living at? And what was like? Um, after I left, well, from the treatment program, I went into one of their halfway um, mm-hmm. houses that they have. And I think about 14 months in, I went back to Durham because something was going on with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I, I stayed up for a little while. Um until things got back on track. Um, so, I, but uh, you went back to Durham to take care of some family business. Some family business, yes. But you knew that you didn't want to stay in Durham. Yes. Um, as time as time was going on when I was in Durham, um, I, you know, it was different. I, you know, I felt, I, I, okay, I had picked up what Asheville had to offer and the recovery part of it, you know. And by the time I got to Durham, I realized the two differences, you know, the old me and the new me. And, um, you know, immediately I, I got a job, you know, and started doing things. And I, um, me and Valerie was talking at the time. I think we oh, okay. we, we had already met. Well, let's just let's get into that real quick before you go on. How did, how did you guys meet? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Put you on the spot. Let me stop you in your tracks. And- yeah. Let's address that. Okay. You what up, me. Amber? Yeah. <laughs> this is, um, um, it was her uh, that, uh, sh- you want to start it? Go ahead. Okay, so Amber, because uh, my sister, friends, slash, uh, she, she's 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 my people, um, our people. Um, she texted me um, and told me somebody wanted to talk to me or somebody liked me. I'm like, I don't know. She was like, well, uh, she got a big butt. I mean, she's cool. She's in recovery. She was giving me all these hit lists, that she, pointers that she has. I'm like, well, tell her to hit me up. And uh, she gave me her name, and I, I found her on Facebook. And I said... Had y'all met pr- prior or no? She, well, she's seen me. I haven't seen her. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was watching him. You had your he, eyes on him. Yeah, he was involved with somebody else, so, you know... That was not something that I do, yeah. you yeah. know, but uh, I definitely watched how he carried himself and how he was quiet, and, you know, I seen how he treated her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, so. um, and that, you know, and I guess she played she played the position, right? You know, and, uh, some, you know, sometimes things just don't work out, and, you know, and we was, I, you know, I try to keep it on that level, you know, you just, you know, some just things ain't compatible, some people, and, you know, that's how I played it, but, you know, um, right out, not, maybe a month later, I guess, I got the message from Amber, and, uh, you know, and I found Valerie, and I said, hi, Valerie, 
she's hit me back with a blush sign, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, we got to talk, and her birthday was coming up, you know, which is coming up now. Oh, so, yeah. and yeah. uh, the I said, huh. The anniversary of our first date. Yes, um, our first date was around her on her birthday. We went. I was one. I was on my way to a sweat lodge. Yeah. And she asked if she accompany me. Well, she said she her birthday was coming up. I'm like, do you want to go to a sweat lodge with me? And she was like, totally. She's down with it. And yeah, I didn't ask if I could accompany you. I asked you. Yeah. Okay. See, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I asked her, and she she said yes. Um, and she picked me up. We went, and we had the most outrageous experience. Now, had you ever been to a sweat lodge prior to that? I have. I have. Before then? I have. Okay. Yes, yes. And I had to. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I love them. I love sweat lodges. You know, that's one of the things that once I did that first sweat lodge in Asheville, I wanted to see what else Asheville has to offer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I guess that was my feeling of doing something different for the first time. And maybe it really kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was really beautiful. Um, we were able to go out there. It had started raining. Um, and just the spiritual connection of being in the lodge together, I think, was pretty powerful. So uh, it just really kicked off um, what has turned out to be a good relationship. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. What I hear you saying is you're, like, pretty down to try new things. Yes. Right? You, you know how they say, uh, don't, you know, just stick and stay on move before the miracle happens? Mm-hmm. I was starting to see a miracle happen in all areas, you know, yeah. and um, I wanted more of it. But then something, then there's, you know, when everything's going good, something pops up, you know. And this was one of them times. Um, we had just started talking, and uh, you know, I got a phone call that something happened. But well, I went, we went to Durham. Uh, she was on her way to a concert, and uh, I went. I was going to see my kids, and um, you know. Uh, I, so I stayed down to see my kids while she was at the concert, and you know, um, gunshots went off in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, one went off, and one went around the house and hit the house like, like through the walls and everything. And um, at that moment, you know, I said, "Ex Asheville, my kids need me here." Sure. And uh, so uh, I don't know how that phone call went. Um, what but, phone call? Yeah, that text. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I, t- I, I texted her uh-huh. and I, t- yeah, that's my baby. Man. And uh, I texted and said, I'm staying in Asheville. And I think I gave, I mean, in Durham, and I gave her the reason. Um, I think she'll fill in the blanks. And um, but I got me a job, and I, you know, um, as time went on, things started changing. And mm-hmm. um, slowly but surely, things started changing. Um, the new me slowly started becoming the old me. And I felt it happening. You, you saw know. it happening. I saw it happening. And, um, you know, through no matter what, though, she stayed in contact with me. She always called me and everything. Like, And, and that kept a piece of Asheville in me, I guess. So it kept me a little bit of hope. Like, I got to get back, you know. Um, and, you know, and I gave it a shot, you know, gave Durham a shot. Were you participating in any of the recovery communities in Durham? And no. Or just I wasn't. Doing- what you uh, had to do. Yeah. I was, and I was trying to stay in contact with my circle here in Asheville, but slowly but surely, I, I started going back into my old ways. Mm-hmm. And before it got too far, um, she found she reached out to me again and told me she. I let her pick up from there. Yeah, let's hear your side of the story. 
So, of course, when he messaged me, you know, I was disappointed that it was a message and not a phone call. That's why I threw that in there, a message. Um, but on the other side of that, I could definitely support his his reasoning as wanting to stay in Durham for his children. I know that's one thing that um, I can watch in his recovery process, the importance of being a good father um, as well as myself being a good family member, you know, a good sister, a good daughter. I think those things are really important. So, um, so yeah, so I would just keep in touch here and there, you know, send messages back and forth and, and check on, see if, you know, see how he was doing and his safety. And um, time had went on. I had gotten offered a job. I had worked at First Step Farm and lived on property. And um, I had gotten offered a job at RHA, which you know, created a whole life change where I moved um, because my job was on property at First Step Farm. So I moved and and started this new job and and things were going really well. I had my little place and my dog and and my lizard, Trigga. And, um, you know, I had started seeking out some company of other people, you know, and um, it just kept coming up in my spirit that, uh, hooks is who I wanted to be with. Uh, so actually I talked to one of my coworkers, Nate and, um, Nate is one of my best friends and Nate and I talked for, I'm thinking three weeks, you know, before I made the decision to reach out and say, do you want to come back to Asheville? You know, you kind of had set things up and got your own place and got Mm -hmm. off the farm and yeah, the opportunity was there. Yeah. The opportunity was an offer, right? That well, out. all that was happening as he was going to Durham, him uh-huh. and I had spoke about, you know, mm-hmm. renting a place together sure. mm-hmm. and those type of things prior to him leaving. Um, so, you know, that was always in the back of my mind. But when he left, you know, I went forward and, and rented the place that I wanted for me and and that type of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I was in position to invite him to come back if that's something he wanted to do. How long did you live on the farm? As I lived a- on the farm for about 11 months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the salary, you know. You yeah, take yeah. care and manage the, the women and everything that's going on. You know, have somebody close in recovery. They usually like to hire somebody that had went through the farm. It's really cool. It's about it's the beautiful. only nonprofit left. In- What's this place called? Let's give them some love, man. Yeah, First Step Farm of Western North Carolina. That's in Canton? Candler. Candler, okay. Yeah. They have two. They have a men's farm and a women's farm. And they have a retail store on Smoky Park Highway where they sell the plants mm-hmm. and vegetables that they oh, grow. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have I been here for this long and never heard of this place? I don't know because it is like the next next thing to heaven, if you <laughs> ask me. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're always in a rush to leave, right? And when I would go back and visit, I'm like, God, I wish I could move back in out here. Do y'all um, hit, up the, hit up the market regularly? Yeah. Get some- uh, Oh, yeah. My yeah. whole yard yeah. is covered in plants <laughs> is it? Like, yeah. from First Step Farm. That's beautiful, man. That yeah. is awesome. It is. Right it, she yeah. definitely got it decorated. <laughs> yeah. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about, I was curious, like, what, if you experienced, Valerie, like, especially living on the farm and being in interaction with, you know, people new to recovery, like, what type of barriers did you maybe experience personally with your recovery um, going through that process. Like I could see just, I don't know. Well, some of the barriers were a lack of privacy um, yeah. because I was backed up to the women's dorm. 
Um, but on the other side of it, there was those moments where I would be, you know, lonely or, you know, my disease would be active in my brain and I could just go sit on the back porch with them. So, you know, it was kind of like back and forth. The other piece was I worked a lot, you know, it required a lot of on-property coverage. Um, so I didn't leave much, but I think it was all of that came right on time in my process um, for me to sit still and, and just get grounded. So everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Like yeah. I had said earlier, like everything has happened thus far just as it's supposed yeah. to. And definitely like a huge opportunity to develop, to, to develop those like peer support skills that right. you used right now, right? Yeah, like I manage these, you know, it's pretty much like you manage these women's lives, uh-huh. um, you know, medication, doctor's appointments, spirituality, you know, mm-hmm. behavioral issues, everything. And to have been somebody that had went through the program, like, you know, you couldn't pull the wool over my eyes, I knew. Um, and I'm pretty direct and compassionate at the same time because I do understand the disease and how hard it is to change behaviors, you know. But that takes the willingness and work and the push of people that love you. Sure. Yeah. What about boundaries? Boundaries. I learned a lot about boundaries there because yeah. I was so close. Um, and in peer support, they teach us that we can share our personal story. Um, in this field, I've been in the field for about three years now, and I've learned as I've went, you know, there's been times that I have let those walls down, um, and became friends with the people that I worked with. Uh, and it was really difficult there because you lived there, you know, Mm -hmm. you were with them all the time and you got to watch them grow as well as yourself grow. But the boundaries are really important. Um, my sponsor works in the field and she would teach me all the time, You know, um, like as in, you know, these women would ask me to sponsor them and I would have to say no or ask for my phone number, you know, after I left and I would have to say no. Um, And sometimes I do break the boundaries. I'll be honest. Mm. You know, there's there's some people that touch your soul like Amber, you know, that you just you're just connected with. Amber is the one that introduced you guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you both kind of mentioned being very involved in like the NA 12 step communities, but it also sounds like you both have a pretty solid foundation around that. Right. So right. you're talking about music and writing and journaling and notes and being a peer support, um, gardening and doing different things like that. How do you, how has, what was that process like to like develop, your recovery, right? Yeah. Because it's so much more than just the 12-step. It is so much more than the 12-step. And for me, I mean, I can remember, like, shoving plants in a pot and not knowing how they grow and just knowing that I I love life. Um, And fairies, fairies Uh are something that I collect and believe in. Uh And so I was able to, like, start building fairy gardens and just, like, excavate, like, who I am, what do I like? Like, I like the outdoors. Um, When I was living in Florida, I didn't make it outside much. Like, I always had these aspirations and goals to, like, go somewhere. And and the addiction kept me locked inside homes and houses and motels. And when I came to North Carolina, I was like, I'm just going to explore, you know. 
And my sister's a big explorer. So my sister April, you know, she would take me on hikes and stuff. I remember my first waterfall I ever saw were the Triple Falls. Yeah. I had never seen waterfalls before. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, for me, it was like, uh, you know, when I was back in my addiction, I used to see a lot of guys, men, you know, uh, carry themselves as men. And I was like, man, I got to be, I want to be like that. But I always had a thought, but never did it. It'll last for a few minutes, and then I'm off back to the races. Yeah. Um. After after the situation happened with my friend here in Asheville, I mean, I started pushing recovery real hard. And um, my recovery for me at the time was learning how to be a better man, you know. And uh, and I would start speaking more and holding my head up higher and, you know, walking with some dignity or sure. sharing the message. And as I was doing this... Uh, I started become. I started getting a lot of friends. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people started looking at me. And you're and, traditionally a quiet person. I am. Keep to yourself, from what I've been told. I am. Um, it, only time I really I talk is times like these, or when I do my music. Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, man, I, I lay back and watch TV, or you know. It's crazy how that happened, isn't it, Valerie? Yeah. Like I don't know. I feel the exact same way, dude. That like, I'm like humble, and I just like keep. Tend to keep to myself unless I really know you well. Yeah. But here I am, like, sitting behind a microphone once a week and, like, having these conversations. And mm -hmm. that's something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. But at the same time, like, out in the general public and stuff, I really just kind of like to, like, sit in the back and take it all in and kind of, I don't know. Yeah, and, it, and I, don't, I don't think, like, I, really, I don't think our higher powers want us to do that, just yeah. sit back. <laughs> and it's not even yeah. like a nervousness. It's more of like I'm observing and like yeah. seeing what's going on and like acquiring, like assessing and analyzing and like taking in the knowledge and the information. information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely was an absorber. You know? yeah. That's all I, I, I did absorb. And but I can't keep it to myself, you know. And when when I get into these meetings around the place I was at, uh I, I would I would start talking and it start mm -hmm. and then I start getting emotional and it just start coming out with so much force and you know so much yo this is what I want mm -hmm. you know a, a lot of people started picking up on it and wanting the same thing you know and then you know one thing led to another and unintentionally I became a role model you know and I you know part of me tried to reject it but most of me you know accepted it. And by selling mm -hmm. it, I really, I saw, as time went on, I saw myself becoming that man that I always dreamed of. That and man that you looked up to. That I looked so up to. So long ago. That's right. And, uh, every, and, and, I, and I kept doing, you know, the hard work or dealing with problems on an everyday yeah. basis, um, dealing with anger or getting upset and emotional or what to do when things going wrong, who to call, do I call anybody? Should I just let it fester? Yeah. And, you know, when I used to sit there and just listen to other people that had time or sh watch how they did it, I took the, I, you know, I took in what they did and I did it. Yeah, that's where I was going with it. Is that we listened to the conversation that we just had. We talked, you talked about being the man that kind of sits in the back and likes to observe and absorb was the mm -hmm. word that you use. And mm -hmm. then you mentioned back in active addiction, looking up to these individuals in your life, right? That's right. Whether you knew it or not, you were absorbing their characteristics and absorbing their values Tell and it, traits man. and stuff. So before we take a break, man, I think it's a good time to ask you. You Y'all talked about your first day being at the Sweat Lodge. Mm -hmm. You talked about, like, being open to trying new things and doing, 
taken in to some of the things that Asheville has to offer. Have to ask you because I'm like involved with refuge recovery and the meditation um, based approach to recovery. Do you know, or and if so, what do you know about these float tanks that I keep hearing so much about? Do you know anything about those? Have you heard about them? I don't. Oh, man, these guys have been talking about it on these various podcasts that I listen to. Not Mm -hmm. even recovery stuff, but it's like a a chamber, like a tank, like a pool of water and Epsom salt. And you go in, they kind of lock the chamber, close the door, and you lay on your back and float for like 30, 40 Five minutes an yeah. hour oh, it's somewhat good. of like a form of meditation and really mm-hmm. kind of like relaxing your mind and your body um and i've just read and heard like such amazing things about it and i as i've been thinking about it, i haven't like i haven't looked but there has to be something like that in Asheville. I'm sure there is. Sounds like mm-hmm. an anniversary date. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, it does. All right, dude. Yeah, I got we, you on that, right? I yeah. got you on that. Yes, thank you. Yes. We do um, salt caves. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, so we'll definitely look into that. I mean, I know my sister, she works at the spa, um, and that was something we had did, you know, and mm-hmm. and that was really cool, the beautiful old, what is um Drawing a blank. Me too. Okay. I'm so excited about trying to float tank. So if y'all find one, let me know. Like, okay. Definitely. I listen to Joe Rogan a lot, a lot of his stuff, mm-hmm. and he's so like passionate about these things that he literally built one in his studio yeah. oh, wow. for his guests as the, before they come on the show or after they come on the show, they'll hop in the float tank and float around. I've heard oh, it on cool. like multiple different things. It's supposedly real popular out right in on. the yeah. West Coast. So we are going to take a break. We're going to. Be back in a few minutes. We will leave the live on. If you are a listener that's making recovery-related or positive music, we want to play your stuff. We want to recognize you. Submit any of your work to admin at ncraw.life or send us a link through our Facebook page and interact with us. We'd love to play some of your stuff. So we're going to play a song that Notes wrote to Valerie. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. Tell us about this song, man. Um, this song is called Love of My Life. Um, I remember right before I wrote it, it's around the time when she she wants to get to know me. You mm-hmm. know, I'm talking about intimately, like deeply, like getting into my brain and you know, I would try to reject it a lot, like I give you a little bit and she keep pushing it and I was like, Oh and you know, I and then I was like, But I love her, you know, I I really like her a lot and I went to my I went to my my um my lab and I would sit back there and I write about I'm like, she do too much. She wanna know everything. I don't wanna talk about it. But <laughs> I she to pushes the song early, me, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. And and you know, I started writing down everything that we was going through because anything I go through, I put it on paper, on my yeah. notes. And this is one of them and you know, it's all about everything we experience and want to experience and you know, a growth in our relationship and it's called the love of my life. Has anybody ever wrote you a song before, Riley? No. I love it. No, me and I was, I met this young lady that I'm hoping um, that can do some music with hooks, but um, she was, you know, she was flattered at the same time. I was like, I know, you know, I was telling him the other day, I always play like one of his other songs and then I'm like, check this song out that he wrote for me. (laughs) (laughs) Set it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. So this is Love of My Life by Notes. We'll be back in a few. Yeah. That's what you want, baby. Yeah, I hear you, baby. 
know what you want. I feel you. Hey, look. Let me tell you something. Yeah, she knows about me, talking ins and outs. And she asking about my past, but I block her out. But she tell me, hooks, look, don't you lock me out. I want to learn everything that's my word of mouth. And I believe her. I feel a gentle spirit. I know she really meaning, and this pain, I want to kill it. But she says, if I talk about it, only way to heal it. But I hate it when I feel it, because at night, I really feel it. Man, I see it in my dreams. Guns and the screams, bodies and the fiends, and all the in-between. Now she got me in my feelings, guessing her intentions. She's not respecting my wishes, but her tears tell me different. Baby girl, you my everything. You the meaning to my living. You got me smiling while I'm dreaming. All the love that you're giving, you've been giving since the beginning. What I'm saying is, ain't the words just what I'm feeling. Yeah. Of you and I, sweetheart. I got you. I'm giving you my everything. Let me tell you how I feel right now. But tell the truth, though, it's hard for me to see that. From a gangster to an addict, I'm a beast with a habit. I'm downright pathetic. I done seen tears and shattered hearts. I done shattered dreams ripped apart. And I love our cuddle times and our couple times. Even when we disagree, those be my favorite times. You got me doing things I never did. And I hope you understand the real meaning, what my love is. You got me bumping country, loving joy straight. And I'm gazing in your eyes over dinner plates. Taking night rides, vibing on the parkway. And I'm far from perfect, you love me anyway. And what we got, everything seems so right. And when you see me, your smile be so bright. And when things dark, you are my light. You the love of my life, my baby, my future wife. Hey, that's what she telling me, man. She want more of me and her. It's you and I forever, you hear me? Ain't nothing changing that, baby. Take us out. Tornadoes.com. Your boy notes, man. Welcome back to NC Raw. Finishing the conversation with this week's guest, Valerie Spencer and Alvin Hooks. What up, y'all? What up? Hey, what's good? Feels nice to get up and walk around for a minute after sitting there talking for an hour, huh? Yeah. And yeah. It feels good outside, too. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Today was definitely a beautiful day. Yeah. We kind of left off. We were talking about your experience on the farm, and I was asking you about living on the farm and more specifically about like creating and setting those boundaries with the folks that you were working with. Like, what? You want to talk a little bit more about what that, <clears throat> that was like? Yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely a real challenge because you really connect with people. But I had spoke to a person in long-term recovery that had worked in a field a long time. And I wanted to kind of touch on this because it was really important, you know, and what he had shared with me is your work is not your recovery. In fact, you have to do more of your own personal recovery, you know, feeding your own soul in order to give back to the community. And so I found myself really working hard at that. And then when I transitioned from that job to the new job, 
you know, the new job I was able to clock out. But I am such an empathic person that some days I'm sure Hooks can attest to this. Some days I bring my work home. And um, so creating those boundaries for me has been imperative. And I know like slowly as I'm working in this process, I'm doing better with that, you know, because all I can do is provide them with resources. I can't make anybody change, you know. So. You mentioned something that has come up on the show in the past because we've talked to so many peer support specialists is that um, your work is not your recovery is what I heard you say. And however, it is a part of your recovery kind of in, a, in a sense. So like my question to you is how do you um, identify when you're working and like what is your recovery? You know what I mean? Like how do you like maintain, what do you have, what kind of skills and what do you need to do to maintain that level of like insight to like, okay, today I'm going to a, a meeting for myself. Tomorrow I'm taking my peer to apply for food stamps or whatever it may be. Right. Like how do you find that, <clears throat> that insight and balance well, I think most of the time it usually occurs when I become off balance. I'm like, oh, I need to get rebalanced. Um, so for me, uh, like just taking that moment and my and my spirit usually tells me how much information I can share with a person mm -hmm. um, and, and how and I've learned in the process how to share my personal information without them knowing that it's my personal yeah, information, sure. that it's an experience and I don't share the details of who and places and why, um, but I can just relate and, and identify with whatever they may be facing because, you know, when I, when I got started, I rode the bus and, you know, I worked hard every day and, and I went to that bank, you know, the first time and did not think I was going to get the loan to get the vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, I walked through all of those fears and I, I can share those with people. Really, I'm a firm believer in like trusting your instincts. Yeah, when it it's comes huge. to situations like that, like nine times out of ten, my instincts are not not wrong. You know, it's my mind and my ego that gets in the mm -hmm. way and prevents me from really accepting that. You know, and really trying to like judge the situation and right manipulate it to work out the way that I want it to, mm. instead of just trusting my instincts and say, yeah, right now is the time to disclose this information. Right now is mm -hmm. the time to take a step back. Right. You know, so hook. You left the farm, you got your own place, mm -hmm. and you reached out with hooks to an offer. <laughs> Is that what happened? Um, yes, that's exactly what happened. I, I think when she offered, um, when she had called me, I was in the middle of work. And uh, at this point, you know, I made a decision. I got to make my way back to Asheville. Um, so prior to her even making the offer, you had already had these thoughts of... Yes. Figured yeah. out how to get back to Asheville. Definitely. Um, I already had everything situated back there, back at home with the kids, and um, I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to, it's time for me to get back to where my foundation was on building my life back together, and um, that's when I had got a phone call from Valerie in the middle of work one day, and um, she put, I think she she poured her heart out to me and told me, um, how she really felt, and um, <clears throat> I, first thing I did, I said. I think I said, let me think about it, you know, because that was a natural instinct of yeah. mine. Like, <laughs> and, um, That's how we roll, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it didn't take long. I think it took about maybe an hour or two. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was like, look, 
Oh, yeah, let's set it up. You for already Friday. knew what the answer was, didn't you? Well, no, no, I didn't. You know, and I had put a lot of, I mean, I, probably a month or two. Um, like I said, you know, I had I had tried to venture out, but it didn't work within my soul because I felt connected to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I talked to my network and I talked to my sister and I talked to my mom. I talked to everybody before I made that phone call, yeah. you know, to make sure that I wasn't making an impulsive decision, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and that I was making a good decision. And. You know, one thing I I always since I've been in recovery, you know, I I I witness uh relationships in recovery and one thing I didn't want to do is mess up someone's life, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of my decision. If I came back to Asheville, it had to come back for the right reasons. You know, um even though I cared so much for Valerie, would it be right for me us to pick up where we left off? You know, I had to play all that in. You know, is that really what I wanted to do? Or do I want to be single and work on myself more? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, after I weighed my options, you know, I thought I know that this would have been the best decision to pick up where we left off. You know, all her pluses and what we gained and learned from each other since I've known her, I know that was a good decision to make. Yeah. And I know what I wanted in life to be a family man and, you know, Grow or have a family or have a life together. What has that process been like? Uh, since I've been back in Asheville and we moved in together, um, it's been it's definitely a learning curve, right? From go, from just dating and to actually living together, mm-hmm. yeah. and still supporting your recoveries individually, That's right? Collectively, <laughs> like what? Um, from now. From a relationship point of view, it's exactly what it is. Um, if you could put a relationship in a definition, um, it is what it is. You know, um, you have your good moments. You have your moments where we get on each other's nerves sometimes, you know. But it, one thing, she she is such a wonderful woman. Like, no matter what, she she even came she came to the conclusion, like, hooks, whenever we, if we're ever upset with each other, let's vow that we not go to mad mad at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh I said, okay. I think I said, let's think about it. Let me let me You know. have you were supposed to make <laughs> a house rule too, and you've never come back with the other house rule. So. Uh not yet. No. Yeah. I know. So your I'm house so- rule is to let go of the small stuff. That's it. Yeah. And she she's she loves to work through situations. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's what and that's a good thing. I love that. You know. Mm-hmm. Me, on the other hand, I just love to suck and then just deal with it. You know, um a different yeah. approach to letting it go. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Yeah, shutting yeah. it out uh-huh. is what it feels yeah. like. Um but my, my boy's so chill that he didn't even come he didn't even come up with a his rule. No, exactly. I think it's like two months now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm working on it. Uh I'm working on it. Um, But being in this relationship, uh, before the relationship, I always worked on me and what I needed to do for me to get Mm -hmm. my life together. Now in this relationship, I had the tools when I got in the relationship. I knew what I had to do and things of that. I know what I wanted. But what it was, uh, things got a little overwhelming with me. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's see. Uh, okay, so I started doing a lot of things in the community. Um, started helping my helping people out. One thing I did pick up on is uh, I was helping somebody in the addiction. So, 
you made these connections through like the rec- local recovery community or how did you um this one connection I made uh I wouldn't say it was through the recovery community um I knew the guy from treatment mm-hmm. and um we ran into each other back out here on my way my ventures through Asheville and we exchanged numbers on Facebook and um at this time I think we were having, we was going through a rough patch, maybe. Tell me, baby. So, you know, like we had spoke about, you know, I had done a lot of work on myself um, prior to us entering the relationship. You know, I have come from a lot of trauma, as a lot of us in recovery do, um, childhood trauma. Then um, throughout the years, you know, I had engaged in some some very toxic relationships. Um, so I am still learning on how to be a partner and be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, I can get insecure and very questiony. And um, like he was sharing, you know, I like to nip things in the bud. And he's like the complete opposite. He wants to sit and think. And so it becomes somewhat of like a, a little battle, yeah. you know, and and find I find a happy medium. Yeah. yeah. And w- I think, you know, in the past month we really have because, you know, for me, what it taught me is to utilize my second and third step in the 12 step process um, and and allow him his process without questioning and that sort of thing. But um, I think the rough patch came, you know, he speaks of this rough patch and we had that because, you know, I I wasn't comfortable with the behaviors that were taking place. I mm-hmm. wasn't comfortable with him hanging out with this guy. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know, I understand now what it was. Um, they say you relapse before you actually relapse. Mm-hmm. And I and underst- you see it now. You understand I, it. I do. I see it now. Um, and she saw she saw it too, and. You know, looking on the outside, you see more than the person actually sees itself. Mm-hmm. And um, she saw that, but I didn't recognize it. Um, In your eyes, you were still help, try, attempting to help somebody I, yes, right. and who, I, who needed it. Yes, but, you know, this came from um, when my friend that I came here with, you know, mm-hmm. I felt like I abandoned him. Yeah. And so I think this is where this picked up at because me and this guy, we we was kind of close. And, you know, we have the similar backgrounds. And I just didn't want to leave him on his own, you know. And one day I think, you know, one day I was with him and, you know, I was dropping him off. That's how it started. And, you know, he pulled out a bag of dope. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, 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 you know, I just said I had an effort moment. You know, yeah. and I picked up. Yeah. Um, and I think at that moment, I then after that, I went home and uh, wifey Val came home and we got to talk and then she recognized immediately what was going on. Yeah. Um, you could take it from here. Well, let's, yeah, let's. I'm gonna take a step back and just kind of slow it down for a second because, like, I think it's important to have these conversations, right? Because, like, returning to use, picking up. It's something that's real and something that is we're all vulnerable right. with at all times. And I think it's to me it's something that needs to be talked about. 
Well, I think it's very important to talk about, you know, for me, I believe in the 12-step model, mm -hmm. and I believe that I have a disease that's called addiction. But I also believe that, you know, the using is just the symptoms. It's in my behaviors. My behaviors have to change. Yep. Um, and people, places, and things can trigger my old behaviors. No doubt. You know, and yes. and I, you know, I bounced in and out for some time. We had talked about that earlier in mm -hmm. the show. It took me a while to surrender. So, you know, I'm able to, you know, I'm pretty hardcore. Yeah. You know, he had shared at my celebration, you know, when I'm spreading peanut butter and jelly on the sandwich, it's got to be something about recovery. <laughs> I don't realize that about myself because this is a way of life for me. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, yeah, so when I saw some different behaviors, I mean, I even, you know, he had shared about earlier about how, you know, he changed he changed the way he spoke and the way he mm -hmm. carried himself. His language changed, Back. you know. Yeah. It regressed. Regressed. Uh -huh. um, the language changed, you know, and the street language was coming out more. And um, so, you know, and... It's hard for me, as as often as I do confront him, I love and care for him so deeply and, and view him as one of the most amazing men that I've ever been in contact with. Um, his ways, his patience, he's extremely patient with me because I am a bit anxious and, and can be overwhelming at times mm -hmm. because I want those answers right away. Um the way he, he keeps the calm in the house, you know, it's kind of, it is like that yin and yang in the house, but there's times for me to, that are more difficult for me to confront it head on because, you know, I don't want him to believe that I'm questioning him, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and I think that's what happened. He felt questioned and that goes back to that place where I didn't understand, you know, I still don't understand how to be in a relationship. Like I'm still learning um, my communication. I'm working on that because it'll sound accusatory. Yeah, but absolutely. the other piece is I know I always come from compassion, yeah. you know, and he's just a man's There's man. so many he's factors, a tough guy, like the tone you know? and presentation, time, place, moment. There's so right. many things that could influence that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it's not delivered in the proper way creates that barrier and right push, and he'll you know they will push back more. right and, and you know um that when um after i left supposedly supposed to went to work um and she called me you know she, so she, what, let's say let, hold on hold on hold on let's because you said that you you did it right that's what you said you, uh, you picked up and then you went home yeah i and, picked up and went home and what happened at home at home um she when I she when she walked in she immediately recognized what was going on she saw it in my face. Well, I already um, knew. I actually to. was at work, uh -huh. and something in my spirit said there was something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually purchased apples for the peer living room where mm -hmm. I work, yeah. and so I was able to make an apple run, and so I I stopped by the house real fast. Yeah, 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 yeah um. I guess, yeah, after that, um, I was supposed to go to work. Yeah. And um, instead of going to work, I'm, I I made a U-turn, went to go see him. Mm -hmm. And um, she got home. Um, no, I went, I stopped by the bank. That's what happened. I stopped by the bank, grabbed some money, and um, and then she, she had my card, you know. So, yeah, and... She went to take care of some business w with my car, which we had already planned anyway. And 
she realized the deposit, I mean, the withdrawal. withdrawal that popped out. And immediately she called me. Um, did you answer the phone? I did. Uh-huh. I answered it. Mm-hmm. Every time she called, I answered. Yeah. And, um, you Which know. was a lot. Yeah. All 27 times. Yeah. yeah I said 28. <laughs> 28. And um, when she called me and she was like, baby, just come home. Um, bring me in the car. Come on home. And I told her, I said, I think my first thought, I said, I just want to ride out for the night, get my thoughts together. We'll talk when I get home. Mm-hmm. She wasn't having it. And she's like, baby, just come And that's home. a typical response for you when yes. situations come up. You just mentioned, yes. let me think about it, a handful right. of times sitting here tonight. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, but after we hung up and she called me two or three times later, um, I immediately thought it back to my past relationship. Mm-hmm. And how I responded the same way, and I would stay out in my addiction and continue doing what I used to do. And you didn't want those same results? I did not want them same results. And I said, baby, I'm coming home. And uh, she, uh, she, just because I said it, she didn't did stop calling. Did you believe calling. him? No. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. see, the thing with me is, you know, when I, when I now that I understand, I since I got a little taste, a taste of what recovery is, and I know I wanted it, you know, once you know, I can recognize the situations before they even get out of hand, mm-hmm. and it's up to me to make the choice to either stay in it or change immediately okay. before something drastic happens. And I said, I'm, I was, and I came home immediately. I came home, and um, and the very next day I went to a meeting and v picked up, picked up a white shirt. And I mean, even before that day, when I got home, I called everybody that was in my network. You know, even if a guy that I was supposed to pick up as a sponsee, mm-hmm. and I told him, you know, everything, I couldn't do it. You know, I called my sponsor. I called everybody close to me and told them I relapsed. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't stay out there, you know. And, you know, this is my first time in recovery, and this is my first time experiencing uh, relapse in recovery. And um, I learned from these mistakes that I made, and I think this relationship even got stronger since then. In my eyes, you know, mm-hmm. it has. Um, I love what I got, and I'm going to fight hard to keep it, you yeah. know? Let me ask you this, Valerie, because in the story that he told, he said that you had his debit card, and so he had to go to the bank to make a withdrawal. Did you have his debit card because of these behaviors that you had seen? No, him and I both share okay. our finances. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give him my card. He gives me his card mm-hmm. when, you know, money's like that. So when I had came home that day and recognized that he was under the influence, um, I compassionately told him that when he was ready to talk, um, let's talk about it. Um, he just looked at me. I don't know if, you know, um, being on that side... <clears throat> It's very painful because you get um, working in the field and also being in recovery myself. Uh, there's been a large, large amount of opiate deaths in, in Asheville, Buncombe, surrounding counties. And um, I got really afraid, um, really afraid. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you know, I had to let go. I had to, I picked the card up off the counter and I knew that that might be some protection. Sure. Um, and I had a feeling that he was going to go to work, but I didn't know for sure. And I just had to let go uh, to my higher power and, and once again, allow him his process without trying to control it. Mm-hmm. Now that in a sense, like once I came to grips and we talked about everything, we both knew I was at high risk. Like 
I could tell myself I'm fine. I'm not gonna do it no more. You know, but mm-hmm. that's still there's a chance. And sure. she and she understands recovery more than I do. You know, she's been in it longer than me, yeah. and that's perfectly fine, personally and professionally. Right, and you know, and that's cool. Even though. And sometimes that does bother me, ego-wise, but sure. it's fine because I understand why and what it is. Uh-huh. And um, so we both knew we was high risk. And from that moment, you know, she took my car keys and my car. And you know, the old me could have said, "No, that's my stuff." But knowing what I know now, you know, she loves me. You know, mm-hmm. and even the other, the other women loved me too. But I, you know, being that I didn't know what I knew now. I rejected their offers of helping somebody they, they care for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this one, when this situation happened here, I allowed her to do what she needed to do to save my life, yeah. you know. But you you knew what the appropriate steps would be, right? Like, you knew that surrendering those things. I did. Walking back into the rooms, picking yes. up your white chip, contacting the people that were influential in your recovery. Yes was the most appropriate action that you could take at that time. Right, right. And I won't shame of it, Steve. You know, yeah. I wasn't ashamed at all. You know, I know I'm an addict and I know who I am. Like, and you know, things happen, you know. and But what I do behind after them situation that happened is what matters. That's all you have you control know? over. That's all, you know. And, yeah. and then if I continue to repeat them same mistakes, it's no longer a mistake. It's just I haven't surrendered then. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, you know, I continue to, I'm not ready to change if yeah. I continue doing the same old thing. Yeah. And when if that have, happens, you know, things are definitely taking another change in our relationship. Sure. But at this moment, you know, everything's back on course. You know, mm-hmm. I still want this. You know, I'm, I'm, if it's either, either I'm in it or I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's one way or the other. You know, if anything, I'm going to keep it real with myself. You know, I'm never going, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to string nobody along. This is my life. and But I know it's not just my life. I got my kids to worry about. And I got other people that look to me and I look to them also. And I don't want to hurt nobody as well as myself. Absolutely. You got a bunch of wisdom, too, to share, man. You got, yeah. You got art to share. I mean, you got. That he does. You know, I want to touch on something um, about the situation, though. And, you know, you had mentioned, you know, my personal experience being in recovery for, you know, a little while as well as my professional experience. But it's different in intimate relationships and, yeah. and you know, in spousal relationships like this. Um You know, I remember that week before and I was doing all that nagging and I didn't like the behaviors. Um But I honestly didn't think that that was what was going to happen. And the reason I didn't think that is because of the denial. The denial runs deep even for the person that's in recovery. Um, And so I, you know, I I never really, until I came home and I saw him that day under the influence, I didn't ever think that that was was possible for him. Sure. You know, and that's that, you know, that's that, you know, that ego, that way up there. Um, I definitely put him on a pedestal. But I do remember saying things to him that week prior is like, you know, we are addicts. That's what we do. You know, like I have the information, I have the knowledge, but sometimes it doesn't go from the head to the heart, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so how it, did it definitely shook me. Sure, oh, no doubt. Yeah. How did you find the, um, gosh, how did you find the ability in yourself to just maintain your composure? 
Um, I think um, being in the process for so long as well as as have had my own personal experience with relapse, Mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't help another human to, you know, question and beat them up. I mean, we already beat ourselves up enough usually. Um, And... And I, re- I reached out to everybody that I knew, and I left them in the house that night, and I went to a meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's what I know to do, you know, yeah. for my own personal recovery because, you know, I mean, we haven't talked about this much, but I get angry when people close to me do that because it's—because um, I've had experience with this before in a relationship with somebody who, um, he, he was a chronic relapser. And so I, it's anger because it's like, don't you know I have this disease too? You know, and you're putting me in harm's way. Mm -hmm. So there was some anger there. So I had started to spew a bit on our front porch. I started Mm -hmm. to say some mean things while he was still under the influence. And I knew at that moment, like, that anger was coming out. He didn't need that. I didn't need that. And I took off to a meeting. Yeah, and you know, when I made this this, this decision to pick up, um, I weighed all the options. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I knew what consequences could happen behind my decision. And I accepted them, you know. You know, she could let me go. I can end up back in Durham. I can end up locked up. You know, all these all these options played in my head, and I was ready to accept them. Um, but the end result, she accepted me and continued to love me, you know. And uh, it just made me go harder in, in our relationship, you mm-hmm. know. And that's the thing about this relationship and recovery where um, we both understand what recovery is, and we know that, our personal well-being is at the top of the list. You know, that what matters the most. Um, if it ain't healthy for us as an individual, things ain't going to work out. And it depends on how much we love each other also, if we're willing to make that work. Mm-hmm. How has this experience strengthened your recovery? Um, it, it strengthened it because it's like everything that I do, um, I learn from it. Um, it strengthened me and strengthened my recovery in this sense because uh, I know what I can't do. You know, it, I know that I can't hang around people that's using. You know that. Um, I know it just helped me learn something else to be able to tell somebody else. You know, um, it, it, it strengthened me because I can I can listen to Valerie when she has. When she sees something, I I don't just brush it off. I have to take into account that she sees something. I need to look at it, and um, uh, it just all around anything that I go through. I just and if if I if I make a mistake, I just pick myself up, learn from it, and try not to do it again. Yeah, it's just a normal reaction that I have now. How about you, Valerie? You mentioned that you've experienced this in the past in other relationships. How did? being a part of him responding in the most appropriate way, how did that, like, strengthen your recovery and relationship? Yeah, his response definitely helped, um, you know, and it it created some vulnerability in our relationship as we've, you know, the common theme is uh, let me think about it. So the communication had been an issue prior to, and I think that this situation opened up, like I said, some vulnerability. Um, He is communicating with me more. Um, He does respect my boundaries. And what it's done for me is that, you know, it's, it's drawn me closer to to the fellowship again 
Um, I had I had really started chasing my career, mm-hmm. and and spending a lot. Anytime they asked me to work, I worked. And um, you know, I was working sometimes sixty, seventy hours a week, and and it was creating a lot of unmanageability in in my life and our life. And so um, I have recommitted to the women that I work with. I stay in contact with them. I created a group chat recently. Um, I've been going to meetings just about every day and and just really sticking close to my higher power because, um, you know, what I've learned in the process is that, you know, I have a higher power, he has a higher power, and I'm not it. Yeah. And, and, and the other piece of that is, is I am an addict, too. You know, and just because I have a few more 24 hours doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not just as acceptable to a choice like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, and, no and that and that woke me up a bit, you know, because I do forget sometimes. Yeah. We're yeah. always vulnerable, man. And I yeah. think like well, you started off this conversation talking about the environment and the mm-hmm. people around you and stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's another way that I strengthened my recovery. Like, um, I was sharing with Val that, um, the circle that I first had when I got in recovery, all no, 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 none of them no longer around. Yeah, and uh, everybody that I'm surrounded with now that's in my circle, I mean, they got friends that got time. Like one of my close friends, Justin Blackburn. Oh, uh, shout out, he shout out. Home Center for Men. There you go, Home Center for Men, Nashville. <laughs> yes, you know, and um, uh, but most of the other guys, uh, they're fresh in, you know, in recovery. Again, or or this say first time or either or, and um, it just gave me a chance. And all I do is call them a lot. I call them more. You know, you know, I build my my network is stronger than it was before. And all of us care about recovery. You know, and I stay in contact with them. Mm-hmm. And and you know, it ain't a time thing, but we all at the same level again. You know, everybody that's real close to me, we're at the same level and working through know, it together. Working through it together, and I and I and I love it. You know. You know, I love this process of change. Mr. Let Me Think About It, have you found it difficult to or struggled with at all? And if so, like, how did you deal with it? Like, opening up that line of communication in the relationship more? Because she kind of alluded to where it's more. Um, Yeah, I still struggle with it, but I'm more accepted. Um, I'm more accepting. Um. I'm with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm definitely with it. Uh I it's anytime she want to talk, we talk. Um yeah. and 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 we even late nights or she want a conversation, we have it. And you know, I don't think about why I'm gonna talk about or why are we having this conversation or I just don't want to talk. No, I just talk and and you know, and it's fine and we good and, and then at the end of the conversation she tells me, Baby, thank you for um just talking to me and then I think about it, oh yeah, I did that dinner. And, and you know, it, I'm like, You're welcome, you know. Yeah, and you know, and it and you know, I didn't realize I was doing it, you know, it just happened because I know there's something I wanted. It ain't just because I ain't I ain't just like, let me do this to make her happy. It just naturally happened because uh-huh. We talked about this is what we need to do for each other to make things work. And it naturally just happens, you know. And she reminds me and continues to let me know, baby, this is what I want. Thank you. You know, and vice versa. Sacrifices, man. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, we've been been doing good lately. 
You know, I think that, um, you know, yeah, I think it's important to say thank you and and respond to the person, you know, just as as he has challenges with communication, I have challenges with over communication, yeah. you know, beating a dead horse. Like sometimes he'll say, like, we've talked about this, you know, and I, <laughs> but you didn't give me the answer I wanted. See, that's why we're talking about it again, uh-huh. you know, and I have to reel myself in. And and that's where the balance comes in. And he reminds me, you know, to just relax, you know, things things are going to happen as they're supposed to. Yeah. You know, I get to watch that with him um, often. You had mentioned at the beginning of the show being a planner, and that's me. You know, yeah. I have this whole, you know, I have everything all planned out. You know, the I kids seen you are perk coming. Up when I said that. Yeah, the kids are coming for the summer, man. I have all kinds of plans. Week you one, know? week two, week three. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I'm super excited that the mothers and, and, you know, and that he, you know, shares the children. You know, it's exciting to be a part of their lives. So. What would you say to the individual who may find themselves in a situation like you did where you're trying to help somebody and you end up putting yourself in a vulnerable situation that could essentially cause yourself harm? If if the individual is not about going to a meeting or wanting to go somewhere and get help, you can't you you got to separate yourself. Um you could talk to him over the phone and give him some advice. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest nobody to go pick him up or go ride around and hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. Me personally, I can't associate myself with somebody that's still in their addiction if they don't want to go to a meeting or they want don't want to go get no help for themselves. I, yeah. I can't do it. Um, you got to be willing to want to do some self, some work for yourself. If you're not willing to help yourself, you know we can't really communicate yeah. on a personal basis. Yeah, back to those boundaries that we kind of yeah, started. Yeah, it's really on. huge. I mean, those were the things that I would ask him. Like, what do you guys talk about? Yeah. You know, because I had some encounters with a gentleman, and, you know, I'm giving him the, the you know, the mobile crisis phone number uh-huh. and the respite center information and, you know, his responses. You know, I can feel them mm-hmm. because I see it. I did it. Yeah. And um, see it so, on a daily basis. Yeah, I get to see it on a daily basis. Uh, you know, um, at my last job, my supervisor had taught me, you know, don't work harder than the person. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we take their process away. And see, it, it you know, it, it's not easy. You know, being because no. you know, coming from the life that I came mm-hmm. from, um, you know, and it and it was a game banging lifestyle. Yeah. You know, so and and not just only that, it's like leaving somebody on stuck. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That I, you know, I ain't, I wasn't built like that to, to focus on. When I first came to Asheville, a lot of friends that close to me died, and it won't even it won't addiction because I didn't know addiction then. But it was around some gang banging and stuff like that, and those plans. I'm like, dang man, I won't there. And then the friend that I just that I came here with, you know, I won't there. You know what I'm saying? So I was worried about you know my boy right here. You know what I mean? And and you know it's just them thoughts that played in my mind. But yeah. you know it's it's a it takes a lot of self-will, you know what I mean, to know what's best for me. Um, it, it takes a lot of like, practice and, and humbleness, you know, to be able to change everything, especially some of my old ways, you know what I mean? Like telling somebody I can't deal with them no more, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, because they could be detrimental to what I want, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, for myself. Um it ain't easy trying to trying to become another person that I'm used to being. You know what I mean? Um, everybody that I'm close to back in the day, you know, 
they ain't around no more or they, they're losing their lives and stuff. And now it's part of, now I got recovery. Now we got addiction, dying from addiction and gangbanging, you know, and I, and I can't do nothing about it. All I can do is try to be a friend over the phone. Why, why I got to be a friend over the phone? Why can't I hang out? Because it's going to hurt me in the long run, you yeah. know. It's just, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's a battle, real. man. It's hard to learn. Yeah, it's hard, man. Hard to accept, tolerate. It is. Yeah, it's hard to accept. And I think it's more of God's will than self-will, you know, surrendering to something greater than ourselves is what I've seen um, for you, but as well as me. But, I, I, you know, I have experience with this, you know. I mean, I've I've lost a lot of people. I think when we, when we stick around for a little while, all those people that we used to hang out with or or grew up with, or experienced the streets with, you know, a lot of them are gone. Um, but when you get and stay in this process, like, you get connected, and you work steps with people, and and, and people and people leave, mm-hmm. you know. People go back, and, and I've tried to put my cape on before, and somebody reminded me that your cape can turn into a handkerchief, and... Um, you know, I at this time, I just have to, you know, just be present. My sponsor always reminds me to focus on the people that are still active in recovery yeah. because there's a whole heck of a lot of us. You know, the recovering community in this area is huge. And there's people that actually want this and want to be a part of this. And that's where I can, I can dispel my energy. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. You mentioned something a few minutes ago. About spending some time with the kids this summer? Yes. Huh? Yeah, man. I love let's, it. Let's talk about how let's talk about the family life, man. What how old are your children and what do you guys have planned for this summer? Okay, um, my oldest two boys are coming. Demarcus. That's that's little me. Um, he's eleven. Uh, and then we got Amir, mm-hmm. a little young bull. He just turned six. Um, we all kind of, no telling what Valerie has planned. Um, <laughs> she went with, they're all, they're going to be all over Asheville. She, uh-huh. she loves, she loves to have fun. And, you know, last time on my, Amir came, um, there was every day it was something going on, you yeah. know, and then I think I even posted it. I think it was his third day here. He was like, I think I'm in love with Asheville. <laughs> I seen that. You yeah, know? yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and he was lit. He, so he, he loves stoked it. to come back. He's so stoked. And yeah. I can't wait for my son, oldest son, to get here. Okay. Um, as far as my babies go, uh, my two youngest, uh, Case and Caden, um, their moms want me to bring them up here. I'm so not, do I. Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not yet, but it's it's coming though. It's maybe, coming. Maybe next summer. Is that what maybe, you're saying? Maybe next Christmas. Summer. Christmas break. Y'all, y'all pushing it. <laughs> you said Christmas. I did say Christmas. Ain't that right, Liz? He said Christmas. I, okay. <laughs> All right. What do you have planned for the kids? Well, uh, you know, we're going to have them for a stretched out amount of time, six weeks. So, um, you know, I didn't get to speak a little bit. I have gotten a promotion, um, something that was really yes, cool. Sir. I went, yeah, I went and spoke to the hospital. I have a dream about what peer support can do, and one of my dreams is that putting a peer support at every discharge um, from yeah. mental health hospitals as well as detox that follow them in the community. And RHA implemented that program. Now I don't know if they implemented it because I went and said it, but I think it was already in the process. Sure, it played a role. Yeah, yeah. but I think it was already 
already in the process, and um, I had uh, found out about the position and reached out and interviewed for it. And so now I will have a regular, like, Monday through Friday and the weekends oh, off. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll be peer bridging for the Copestone Hospital over at Mission. Okay. And uh, I'll get to follow the peers into the community and make sure that they're set up and, and connected to resources like hands-on instead of just handing them a piece of paper mm-hmm. and hoping they make it. Um, really what the position is designed for, right? Like right. Really in action. Supposed to, yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm super stoked. So I'll have the weekends off. So, um, you know, hooks and re- I have all these plans, right? And they all include <laughs> outdoor stuff and they all are city folk. Um, uh-huh. and you <laughs> and, saw how long it took to kind of transition him into the outdoor <laughs> life. <huh>? Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, well, that was what, no, uh, on the other side of that, that is one of the most attractive things about hooks. Um, when he invited me to that sweat lodge, I was like, yes, this is, this is the one, yeah. um, his open-mindedness to try new things. He won't tell you about it. Just like when he got on the tube the other night, mm-hmm. uh, the other day at the lake, like he wasn't going to announce it, but he did it because he didn't want to not have had that experience. <laughs> He's a lot like me. He enjoys experiences. So, yeah. So we're just going to yeah. do a lot of weekend stuff and having fun. Yeah. And and I'm hoping they'll go camping with me. I'm thinking oh, yeah. maybe in my mom's backyard. Uh, She's yeah. got seven acres. So oh, yeah. we can make it where if they really dislike it, we can re- resort to the house. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and she just told me of something that just happened on the farm. Uh-huh. You know, you put in my mess me up oh, a little bit. <laughs> mom, no, um, my mom has chickens, and uh, a bunch of black snakes got into the coop okay. after their eggs. So, so my mom showed Hooks pictures. Like I have to school my mom. Like mm-hmm. you can't no, no, show no. him pictures. <laughs> Those snakes no. are looking for eggs. They ain't looking for you, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he ain't got to worry about it. Like I'll, I'll. Grab the snake and throw it. Yeah. Have you been camping <laughs> in a tent here in North Carolina before? No, I never Not been yet? camping. No, okay. uh-uh. but you know, you know, my time for having fun with the kids is like junk food, arcades, <laughs> video um, games, and a and a big yeah, and yeah. a big Lego set to build with one of my kids. Yeah. You uh-huh. know, so that's that's my thing. But you know, uh, it was definitely gonna do some kind of adventuring thing, some outside stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. looking forward Lots. to it. I thought it was just fascinating to hear, like, you guys talk earlier about kind of the family dynamics and your relationship with the mothers of these children, mm-hmm. Valerie. Was it cool talking about you, that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think <clears throat> one might have tuned in, um, and that's Amir's mom, Akisha. Okay. And, um, well, when I entered, and I have to say that I, my best friend has a relationship like that with mm-hmm. Her son's brother's mother. They're like best friends. So I got to watch that. And when I met both of them and and they go out and they hang out, I just thought that was the coolest dynamic ever. And and I wanted to follow suit. And so when he entered into my life, I felt that it was really important for me to reach out and speak positivity to these women. Um, Because the old me is like, you know, oh, they're threats and, and that type of thing. And I also have to challenge the old me to grow. And um, well, it, it shows the 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 growth in yourself, mm-hmm. but it also like think of the impact that it has on the kids. Well, that's the most important thing, yeah. you know, for me is that you know that we do what we say, you know, because mm-hmm. I that's the biggest thing for me. When I was a kid, I can remember you know dealing with a lot of a lot of broken promises. 
And so when I say something, I really mean it. And so I'm real careful with my words with them. And that's Mm. why I speak to the mothers first to make sure that it's copacetic with what they want for their child. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Like, we we have a conversation. I'm like, well, let me talk to their mom. She's like, I already talked to them. (laughs) You know, I mean, they they on a friendship basis. They're the last one on. You know, it, it kind of shocked me, but not really because I know how my kids' moms are, you know. Mm-hmm. They all of them are cool, wonderful women. <laughs> they are. I love it, man. They are. That's yeah. so beautiful. So y'all got a fun-filled uh, summer plan, it sounds we like. We do. Yeah, man. The pool's opening, and they're going to get in the water. I sit on the sideline. <laughs> he know. says he's going to sit on the sideline. He didn't sit on the sideline the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it. Yeah. Most of it. I didn't stay in long, but. Long enough. Yeah, long yeah. enough. Yeah, they they break and chipping away at me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. All right, man. Well, before we uh, finish up with our last photo segment, you got something to say, man? Do I? I don't know. You got something <clears throat> to say? Um, what you, you got some words for us, man? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, <clears throat> what are you gonna do? Um, I got this song called Last Night. Um. It's uh it's one that I wrote. Um, I'm getting ready to work on a video for it. Um, I'm gonna have to do it a cappella. Uh, you, we can try to bring the instrumental up. So this is called Last Night. So uh, this is called Last Night. And uh, I guess it's perfect for this type of for this segment on NC Raw. Um. It's a piece of me, man, a little bit of old me and new me. Feel where I'm coming from. Let me tell you about this dream I had. I had a dream one night, somebody spoke to me. Reached for my pistol, but it won't where it's supposed to be. Looked him in the eyes and I asked him what he want with me. Pointed to a mirror, an image popped in front of me. Visions of my past when my parents threw me to the streets like a piece of meat. Man, that anger rose inside of me. Screwed up my face and I asked him what he's showing me. Showing me a life that he didn't even plan for me. Saw myself in cuffs, bloodied and bruised up. I remember when it happened, homie. That's the day that your boy lost his cool and your boy started snapping. And after 16, I played the cards I was handed. I saw another vision of me standing in the mission. Working like a slave and I'm battling my afflictions. Found myself slipping, nodding, itching. Next thing you know, your boy back in his dope addiction. Jumped out that bed and I just started flipping. And I picked up that mirror cause this man here tripping. I don't care who he was, bro. I just started snapping. But he said, hold on, hooks, let me tell you what's gonna happen. Ten months from now, you're gonna hit the streets running. Life going good and you're making plenty money. Making all your meetings and you're looking like something and your head held high cause you're getting good loving. But everything changed when you stopped making meetings. Started missing work and your urges start peaking. Wifey took notice and she called for your attention but you won't even listen. Hearing her voice a reason. Voices got raised and your arms start eating. You slammed the front door cause you were tired of a tripping. You jumped in the whip and them tires start screeching. She screamed come back cause she had a bad feeling. I Got tears in my eyes, could it really be the truth? And it seemed so real, could it really be the truth? And then I saw the dope man and I really started feeling. I put it in my veins and I really started leaning. 
heart start beating, mouth start foaming. I couldn't call for help cause I couldn't stop choking. Then my body stopped breathing and I knew the very reason. Then it all came back, bruh. I just dreaming. Yeah. And look, and then it all came back, bruh. I was just dreaming. And that's what I did. And the very next day, your boy Notes made a meet. Real talk, y'all. Yes, sir. This your boy Notes, man. GMB Productions. Love it, bro. Nah, ready. You came prepared, huh? Yeah, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so be on the lookout for that video. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you recorded that yet? Um, I recorded the video. Um, I recorded the sound for the video okay. last night. Last so, night? Uh, Sick, actually, man. last night, so. Yeah. I want you to know you're the first live performance that we've had on NC Raw. Hey. <laughs> yes, sir. Dude, that's yeah. dope, man. Appreciate Thanks, that, man. bro. Thanks. Val, Val perked up at me at the same time, man. Those lyrics, dude. That's what's up. I appreciate it. All this from experience, man. And um, I think that was this song was perfect for the right for this segment. It was the show, Ashley. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So thanks for having me, man, allowing me to do that. Yeah, I love it, man. Anytime. Cool. I got I got opportunities for you when you want to take them. You just let me know, man. We're working on some. You heard Caleb talking about a music festival. I, did. I, I did. was telling you about another concert that we're talking yeah. about down the road. So yeah, uh, let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me call Val, yeah. man. Don't make me call Val. Yeah, let me step out outside that comfort zone. So. <laughs> that's that's Caleb's motto, man. He did say I was the manager. He said did it. He? Yeah. I so did. what you're saying is I need to go through you to do all the booking. That's right. There you go. I'm the planner. When we get our studio, man, we're going to do, I'll probably have you in once a month or something doing some live stuff. And he just okay. writes them so quickly, like that wouldn't be a problem. No. Yeah, just give he me a He loves the studio. Up. I think the live performance and making it, you know, uh, what I know is we both enjoy the simple life. Yeah. Yes. You know, stress-free, yeah, simple sure. family, yeah. work, family, come home. Yeah. You know? That sounds that's, good. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's all you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. It's his, it's his hobby. It's his passion. Yeah. And I and I understand that. Everybody I share his music with is like, we need to do this, and he needs to do that. And I'm like, slow down. Like, mm-hmm. Allow him to do whatever he 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 does with his music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. We're, we're going to close it out with our final little segment that we do. Just We usually do it just to bring some life back into the conversation, but you just did, bro. (laughs) Um, So the way it works is I'm going to show you guys a picture that I creeped off of your Facebook or Instagram. Okay. And what I want you to do is I want you to to describe uh, what's happening in the picture for the listeners and then also tell us the story behind the picture, like what's happening, where are you, how is it meaningful in your life, why did you post it on social media, like. All that stuff. So this is the first one. I think this one might have come from Val's. It's actually a picture of the two of you. Um. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's uh, that's off my Facebook. That's off your Facebook, I think. But um, that was yeah, that was the day. You probably can explain that day better. Can I? Um, we went we went to the waterfalls, right? Right. I can't do it. So it was a winter, and we had been cooped up, right? We Uh had been cooped up, and we really needed to get out and get grounded. And um, so I had told him about Looking Glass Falls, like he had spoke about creating his bucket list. 
um, and going to places he had he hadn't seen before. And so uh, we took a trip out there. It was just a nice day trip. And we went and took pictures by the falls and and enjoyed each other's company. There was some good conversation on that, that trip. Is that the one that we went down down below on the rock? Yeah. And that guy with the camera? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was an awesome day. Is that, that your first good. time out, like, on seeing some waterfalls like that and stuff? I, I want to say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was. That was. And it was awesome. We sat on the rocks and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how cold was it, you think? Pretty chilly? It was actually a warmer day. It was towards the end of winter. Yeah, uh-huh. so. I think I took the coat off, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. a wonderful day. Awesome. All right. This one's also for Val. She is the picture taker. I started with her. I'm going to finish with you, man. Okay. Ready? What's going on here? Oh, that's my baby. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's that's mm-hmm. Trigger. That's a, um, that's a chameleon. The quotes say, Trigger says Merry Christmas. Yes. And my sister and I bought two of them together. They're brothers. There's Jackson Trigger. And then my sister made those Christmas hats. Um, and this was Hooks and I's first Christmas together. And oh, that wow. love ornament in the background is is our first ornament together. That's right. So it's so. A, a real live chameleon. It's a real yes. live chameleon. Wearing, yeah. a, wearing a Christmas hat. Wearing it a is. Christmas hat. I, I think it. I was in the distance. Yeah, he doesn't do tri- <laughs> he doesn't do trigger, but trigger. You know how they tell you to get a plant and then a pet. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's my first recovery that pet. Was the progression. He, yeah, he'll be three in yeah. in April. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not cool. a reptile guy either, man. Yeah. Oh, no. but he's so cool. He's just chill. Oh, no, no. He, he don't do brother. anything. <laughs> his brother. <laughs> oh, his brother's mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, Jack's my sister's. Yeah. So when I was like, I don't know, like seven or eight years old, I had a mm, traumatic encounter with just a little Florida lizard <laughs> that scarred me for the rest of my life oh. that I'll never even go anywhere near any kind of lizard or snake <laughs> or reptile. It's such. It's like mm. the like simplest little thing, but. Are you gonna come eat trigger? I, I will oh. one day. Yeah. Uh, I walked into, you know, when you're a little kid, you always want to like dress up in your parents' clothes and stuff. And so I walked into my, my parents had a walk-in closet in their bedroom, and I walked into their closet and I grabbed one of my dad's shirts, and I put the shirt on. Oh. I just mm. threw it on, and as soon as I put the shirt on, I felt a little oh, something just no. run up my back. Just. Oh. To my neck, and I just ripped that shirt off and <laughs> ran out. And it was a, li- it was just a little Florida lizard. I mean, just a little guy, but just mm-hmm. that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just done with them. So, found that interesting that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, Trigger. All right, since we're on the on the pet bandwagon, Craggy. Craggy, yes. Uh huh. All right, so that's where we we went on our second hike. Um, on my okay. bucket list is five. I got five hikes. That's the second one. That's Craggy. Um, we took V with us. That's Who's that? V is the our baby. Um, her <laughs> Until baby. Until she's got to get washed, then she's my responsibility. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so who, tell tell the listeners who it is. What is it? Uh, what um, is she? She she's a dog. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog, babe? She she's. A Boston Terrier. Yeah, a Boston <laughs> Terrier. Uh-huh. And um, she's, she's, she's little V. She, mm-hmm. Baby Valerie. Uh, Is she? Yeah, she's very <laughs> loving, man. Um, She's just like her mom's. Uh, she went out on us with, with us on the hike, and um, she enjoyed it. Um, It was a wonderful day. We got to see a lot of views. 
Um, it was also a day where we we had a talk that day. It was a good day. I suppose I didn't care for that conversation, but yeah. no. <laughs> but I was able to move through it, you know, because we were up on up on a mountain, mm-hmm. and I was able to be connected spiritually. But there's a really cool recovery story about V. Um, everybody in my family, my sister had the mother, okay. and everybody in my family got puppies. Um, she'll be eight. And or she did turn eight and everybody got puppies but me because I was still in my active addiction. Mm -hmm. And so years later, about I think it's been about two years now, um, my sister gave me V, um, which was my niece's dog. Uh So my niece had V from when she was a puppy. So it was a real hard transition for everybody involved. There was even moments I wasn't going to take her because it was like breaking my niece's heart. But. Um, you know, my niece had gotten older and she's a teenager mm-hmm. and, you know, she was doing her thing. So, um, yeah, so V's definitely been in the family for many years and now she's in my home and, and it's really cool that, you know, family has taken time to, you know, given me the opportunity to be trusted Yeah, with the dog. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. I've seen V in some of the, uh, Res Hope videos with you. Yes. Kicking it. V yeah. helps me helps me stay calm, but that's her thing. Like she's got to have constant loving. Yeah, she gives side me when I do my crunches. Does she? Yeah. <laughs> All right, hooks. You ready for this one, man? I don't know. Rapid Let's fire. Let's do it. What's What's going on in this picture? Oh, uh, that's uh, that's Samir. Um, he got his he got the dirt bike for Christmas. That's not a not a bicycle. That's not a bicycle. That's live <laughs> motorized. How old uh, is he? He was five in that picture. Love it. Um. And uh, he when he gets on it, he he doesn't he 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 walks it. He's scared to uh-huh. hit the thing and go. Okay. I think he still does. Still, yes, he he won't ride it. He needs to bring it this summer, and yeah. I can teach him. I was taking it and riding it. I think Were I rode it more that yeah, day than he did. did. <laughs> oh, <I love laughs> yeah, it works. I mean, it, it goes too. Yeah. So that's a great, good picture, good awesome. day. All right, this is the last picture I got for you guys. All right, okay. all right. We've kind of like skirted around this subject. Throughout the conversation today. Do you know what that is, Val? Yeah. You know what that is? Yes, I do. What is it? That's the bucket list for 2018. My bucket list for 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. What does it say on there? Okay, we got got five hikes with views. And I've done two of them. Getting ready to do a third one. Uh, Take my kids camping. Um, for a weekend. So you can't back out of that now. Dang. Snakes right? right. <laughs> I keep telling him, you can't say things out loud. Uh-uh. Well, I guess that's what's going to happen this summer. So at mom's house. Moms, we coming. <laughs> um, third one is become a better person than I was last year. Doing that. Work. Check. Check. Uh, reach two, 210 pounds. I think that's going to change. I think it's going to 200. I'm at 198 now. Alright. Um, take Two trips somewhere I've never been. Well, here's one right here. So I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just playing. No. And the last one is um, develop a father and kids relationship. And that's a check. Check. Doing that. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm think I'm two out of three right now. Working on the rest of them. When did you make this bucket list for she? Th- um, Was that the beginning of the year? Let's the, see. It was at the beginning of the season change. And about what's the season when change? When it started, spring. Spring, mm-hmm. February, March. 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 Okay, got gotcha. you. Around March. 
Yeah, see, she's, she helps me stay alive because my memory ain't <laughs> yeah. really. That's all of us, man. So yeah. you made this bucket list in March, things you want to do, and like half of it you've already accomplished by the beginning of June. Yes. Right? Is that that's, what I heard? That's exactly what you heard. Right. Yes. And see, the moments like that, like I didn't realize. Like, I know it, but I didn't realize, you know, just like when certain things I'm doing and I don't realize it. Yeah. And she would say, you're doing it. That's yeah. what's up. I'm like, I am. Thanks for reminding me, you know. That's what's up, man. You know, it keeps me, lets me know I keep moving forward. Yeah. Sometimes I don't see it, so. You're doing it, bro. Yeah. Any final words? You know, recovery is awesome. It's given me a life that I never dreamed of. Um, I never thought that, you know, I would be a responsible, productive, loving person that I am today. I always had that core compassion, but I think that, you know, recovery is available. Um, there's many ways to find it. There's plenty of 1-800 numbers. Um, so just stay in contact and, and stay in the process. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, just, um, continue, you know, recovery is a, is a wonderful thing. I want to say to all the newcomers, um, it, it change does happen. This program does work. And if if you feel like, th- if you make a mistake, don't soak in it. Pick yourself up and try again. Don't ever give up. Uh, you guys are a beautiful couple. And I am very privileged to sit down and have a conversation with you. Um, very courageous what you just did to come on here and be that open about what your experience has been. And uh, I'm very proud of you for taking the steps and taking the taking the appropriate action when need be. So I am grateful to not just have you on the show, but be friends with both of you guys. So Me too. Yeah, man, definitely. And I can't wait to come out to the crib, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. I told you. I threw the invite, man. We Any coming. weekend, we y'all want to come. Right after the kids leave. <laughs> right after the kids leave. <laughs> We're going to need something. <laughs> about, I got, I got, y'all want to camp outside, man. I got property up there on the top of the mountain, too. Oh, yeah. okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's I For sure. We can do it. Thank you guys for listening to NC Raw, Recovery Always. The NC Raw fam would like to thank today's musical contributors, Rival, whose work can be found on Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube by searching Rival727. And my man, tonight's guest, Notes, whose music is on SoundCloud by searching Alvin Hooks. And also jump on his Facebook page and give it a like so you can keep up with all the new music. It's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. All or Nothing Music on Facebook. Give it a like because he's got a bunch of new stuff coming out real soon. All of our NC Raw content is available by visiting our website at www.ncraw.life. Be sure to subscribe to our website to receive exclusive content offers that will be sent directly to your inbox. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and now Instagram at WNC Raw. Thanks for listening. 